Welcome, I'm Emma Walsh, the CEO of Parents at Work and I'll be your host for today's discussion. If it's the first time you've joined us for a course, welcome. We have actually over 100 people attending from all around Australia today to our Working Dads Connect session. I thought if this is your first time involved with our group, uh, I thought it would be useful if we started with a little bit of an outline about um, who we are and what we do. So at Parents at Work, we're really on a mission to improve the lives of everyday working parents and we do this by hosting these special events. So if you enjoy today's session, please forward this recording to people in your network who might be interested in listening to it. And catch up later yourself on audio if you can't attend the full hour today. We have the facility for you to also be uh, asking questions as we go. So if you're new to using uh, webinars, just to on your little dashboard, you'll be seeing that there's a questions box. So you can actually type in your questions as this conversation gets going. And it's confidential and we'll do our best to answer those questions for you today. Thank you. Okay. So what are we discussing today? Well, our conversation is all about making flexible work a reality, really, and it's about keeping our careers on track, um, specifically tailored to fathers today. And really, you know, we're going to be talking about these things around what's it like to be a man with a career and a family in today's society? What are some of the challenges? And I think the experience is like no other time in history for many men. Men are under more pressure than ever to be the everything man at work and at home. So, you know, akin to that whole superwoman syndrome that perhaps we're familiar with with women, um, what's the super, a super dad syndrome that might be um, an issue for many men in today's society? And, and really, what's the answer to make sure working dads are getting the support they need to have the work-life balance, as opposed to work-life stress that many report they're feeling? Is better access to flexible work the answer? And how can you access it without feeling like your career or family will pay a negative price for it? And ultimately, how can you transition and start to think about, you know, how do you find um, and create, if you like, what our speaker is going to talk about today, a third space, a way that you can connect work and home life and everything else that you've got going on um, to come up with really some good daily habits that make that possible. So to enlighten us today, we're joined by Dr. Adam Fraser. He's author of The Third Space. And we're going to talk about how working dads can make that transition and use the, the third space concept, um, really helping in particular that transition into fatherhood and how we can start to achieve that work-life balance and happiness we often um, so sorely um, find it's hard, hard to get. So not only an author, Dr Adam Fraser is a human performance researcher and consultant who studies how organisations adopt a high-performance culture to thrive in what is obviously a very challenging and evolving business landscape, particularly as technology starts to drive so much of what we do every day. So he's actually worked with elite uh, level, level athletes, um, the armed forces and business professionals at all levels. And actually in the last five years he's delivered to over 50,000 people in Australia, New Zealand and Asia and he's regularly featured in the media and also on radio. He also works with clients um, such as CBA and Westpac and Optus and IBM to name a few. So thank you very much for joining us today, Adam. Hello. Welcome. Now, thank you very much. 
Now, I know when my twins were born, my husband was thrust into parenthood more than most dads simply because we had two babies. That makes me feel tired. Yes. Thinking about that. That's right. And, you know, we had to really straight away um, think about how we were going to manage that juggle. And as a result, he needed to have a real critical conversation with his work about, and with his boss and his team around, how he was going to redesign the way that he did work. And we've really found that since then, both of us have needed to adjust our work routines pretty much every year to allow us to help juggle that work and, and raising family um, quest that we're all on. And not only that, how, also about having time for ourselves and our relationship too. And, you know, time for on our own. Yeah. So in the last 10 years, I've been helping working parents and I've come to learn that dads experience many of the same work-life challenges as mums and sometimes more. And it's worth as we start this conversation to start thinking about, you know, some quite sobering statistics. So I'd like everyone to consider this and, and you too, Adam, as we have this conversation. One in five men will experience experience anxiety at some stage in their lives and you know one in three at any one time are living with a chronic health condition that and that's a pretty sobering thought to think about when you know we're so busy raising a family as well how do we get time to look after ourselves fathers with children under 15 are spending an average of 13 hours a week on childcare how is that being fit in and men are twice as likely as women to have requests for flexible work hours rejected. So maybe that's something we can think about as we have this discussion, Adam, because... Gosh, I think we need alcohol in this room. Oh, wow, so yeah. <laughs> yeah, that's, that's a pretty you know, sobering statistic. So, but I'm interested in um, your thoughts, Adam. How common do you think my, um, my story and my husband's story is? And how many dads and their partners need flexibility? And are they getting it? That's a huge question that you're asking, mm. and um, you know, one of the things I get to interact and deal with on a deep level, a lot of people every year, and I'm seeing a huge trend uh, in terms of, well, I mean, if we're talking about dads here, about men saying, yeah, I'm really struggling at the moment, mm. because just on multiple levels, like work's expecting so much more. I think about the business landscape at the moment, it is just so challenging right now and all organisations and industries are having to evolve. So you've got that going on at work. The way we work has changed in terms of flexibility and technology, uh, the way we lead, like it's no longer command and control, it's more collaborative. Um, you know, how, how women, uh, being treated, how men respond to women, like you've just mm. got this whole melting pot of change mm. going on and, mm. and one of the most common things I hear from men is like, yeah, I'm doing it hard, like mm. it seems like it's kind of like my world's um, in this pressure cooker and I'm, I'm not sure how I fit in. Mm. So yeah, certainly. Okay, well that's great and I think, well, as we get um, going in this conversation, I think what we might do is start to just hear more about your book and what inspired you to write it because I think that if we can connect the third space to really make that useful for fathers, I'd, I'd be really interested to know yeah, how you how you came about even writing the book and what it's about. Yeah, the book came from lots of different interactions. I mean, it kind of builds on the conversation we just had, Dan, that we're having to wear more hats today than ever before. Mm -hmm. Like, we're having to be more things to more people more often. I think about my day 
today. Uh, start at 5 a.m. Alarm goes off. I go to the gym at 5 a.m. I'm home at 6. Mm -hmm. 6 o'clock I had to like scope out a presentation I have to deliver next week so I sat down and nodded that out. Then I'm on breakfast duty. I'm trying to dress my children, feed them, get them in the car, which by the way sucks every day. <laughs> it's not, yeah, and then I'm, I'm back into work mode. Uh, you know, I had a briefing about a conference I'm speaking at. Uh, then after that, I'm working on this big project uh, that's happening. Then I had a sales call. Then I had a legal conversation about a contract around a piece of work. Then a, a political conversation around a, an association I'm working with. Now I'm here uh, following this. I've got a, a pitch to a client. Then I've got to be on a plane. Well, in between that, I'll probably feed my children somehow. Um, yeah, it's just I'm, you know, I'm wearing 30 or 40 different hats. Mm, mm. And what the Third Space book was about is that our lives are kind of condensed to these mini moments. But how do we show up to each of those moments at our best? How do we show up in a way where we're present and engaged, mm. but also give our best? So if you mm. notice when I walked in today, mm. like we'll get into the Third Space in a moment, but I was doing it because I came in, stressful day, I've got a lot going on and I, I wasn't really present and if you notice I didn't really talk when I came in, I was just asking you questions and listening and then I'm sitting here going, right, what am I here to do, what do I want to achieve, I've got a bunch of dads listening to this, how do I help them, what value can I bring, mm. like I'm getting my head right for this webinar because if I'm still in the legal conversation that's frustrating the hell out of me. Mm. I don't serve these people on the webinar very mm -hmm. well. So mm -hmm. what the Third Space book is all about is behavioral agility. Like how do I take one hat on, put another, take one hat off, put another one on, but really nail it. And then, because mm. too often, like have you ever have a, had a bad meeting and it mm. derailed your day or yes. you carry the frustration of this thing into the next thing. Mm. So what the third space book's all about is how do we not do that? Like mm. how do we show up at our best? Mm. That's great. I mean, look, I, I love hearing, you know, the reality of your everyday. Um, <laughs> and you've given us a real example of that today. And I think yeah. that is the case for so many. And I often think about, gosh, what I've achieved by half a state in the morning is yeah. <laughs> feels incredible. At times you feel like you've You've um, climbed Mount Everest by the time you've got your kids to school and, and so on. And, so you, and you're right, if that hasn't gone well and you haven't been centred in that, it can really feel in that first moment or first meeting at 9 o'clock that you haven't got that headspace needed to actually yeah. perform at your best. So what are some of the things that, you know, out of interest in that moment that you do to centre yourself like okay. you just have done? So Let's go back a couple of steps. Mm. So where this idea really came from is I kept seeing this thing. So I work with different people, so whether it's athletes, whether it's soldiers, CEOs, and I, I couldn't articulate it, but there was just this thing where people could have that ability to compartmentalise or, you know, we're doing some work with athletes and you know, tennis players, um, and this mm. wasn't our research, this was someone else's research, but mm. what separates the, the elite guys from the sort of top 100 is what they do in between the points. Mm -hmm. So it wasn't how hard they hit the ball, because they all hit the balls hard. Mm. It was their ability to use that gap in between points to get over a disappointment, 
centre themselves and get their head right for the next point. So if they miss a major opportunity and screw it up, how, mm. the, the, the elite guys use that gap to just prepare themselves for the next point. Mm. You know, I was working with some soldiers that were coming home from you know being uh, deployed into the Middle East and I, I asked them a question of like, what's the hardest thing mm. about your job? And they mm. said, and I'm thinking, you know, not die. And, mm. uh, and they said, coming home. Mm. It's the hardest thing mm. ever. And, and they said, because sometimes we're away for six months and we walk back in and the house is different and we try and take over and we create, and we sort of spend the first couple of weeks arguing. So I just kept seeing this thing where people had this ability to transition really effectively. Yeah. So then we started to research a little bit different, a uh, little bit deeper. And really, it's a very simple model. Kind of the first space is what you're doing now. Second space, what you're about to do, and that transitional gap is called the third space. Mm. And what we do in that gap is absolutely critical. Mm. So we've been studying surgeons, palliative care nurses, salespeople, contact center mm. employees, and and what all these high performers have in common is that ability to use that gap. So whether I'm a salesperson, I just got smashed. I got rejected. And I use that gap before the next meeting to, to nail that next opportunity. Or I'm a contact center employee. I just had an abusive call. How do I use that gap to give the next person good service and not carry mm. that over? Mm. Um, so that's kind of the model in a nutshell. Mm. I mean, one of the most popular ways it's being used is a transition from work to home. Yes. So how do you use that transitional space between work and home to show up better when you walk through that door? Yeah, because I think um, what you've just acknowledged is the most challenging piece is the transition, right? So you gave a great example around um, forces returning home. Yeah. And really what strikes me as common to this conversation is there is a transition to fatherhood, you know, and do we, do we give it the time and attention that's needed as individuals, not yeah. just as a society, but as individuals that perhaps it, it takes to transition because um, you know often there is a lot of preparing for birth and antenatal classes and so on yeah. often geared at the person fair enough giving birth yeah. um, and whilst they you know we try to be inclusive I think in a lot of those you know welcome to parental kind of classes I wonder whether there's just a you know unique need here for you know fathers to really recognize it is a transition uh, when they move into fatherhood yeah. even though they haven't had the baby and actually the need to and the importance of that third space being able to create a linkage between you know the demand of being available for you know young baby lack of sleep all of those things yeah. um, and work and everything they're expected to continue to do. Yeah. It's worth acknowledging that many dads only have a couple of days off after a baby's born yeah, and enters their world and they're back into it. Yeah. Um, so I, I think it might be worth starting to explore some you know what we think are maybe some of the unique challenges. That's just my my view on it. Yeah, but I mean, I, certainly that transition into fatherhood was huge for me. And mm. what I found is most of the stuff was about the birth. Like how do yeah. you get through the birth but once the child has arrived, and even the I found, I found the transition into fatherhood not that hard. I found going from number one to number two was just I got blindsided. Mm. I just I I thought we had.
had it down pat. Maybe because they don't, we don't outnumber them anymore, I'm not sure. But, um, yeah, so even that transition was hard. Mm. Yes, exactly. So I think some of the challenges that I see really be presented for dads besides, you know, the fact that that transition sometimes is such a quick one and one that they're not always well equipped for because, yeah. you know, the antenatal class didn't deal with it. Yeah. Um, so it's that initial sort of shock once, you know, we become a father and we, we get through those first couple of months and we survive it. After that, I think the challenges shift again. Yeah. And, you know, some of the challenges that I see men presented with is around, yeah, well, you know, this is the way I used to do work. I'm still doing it that way because I didn't have the baby. Yeah. And, you know, I'm expected, my boss, my team, etc., to sort of go as if there was no go on, like there was not a blip on the map. Yeah. And so that redesign conversation around job perhaps doesn't necessarily enter the consciousness. Some For some perhaps dads it does. But I think one of the challenges is that that conversation perhaps doesn't occur, that ability to think about the redesign of a job. And then from there be able to apply some of those principles. Because I hear what you're saying with the third space, yeah. but I wonder... How achievable is that to think about those micro moments if fundamentally your role needs to perhaps be looked at differently and done differently by you if you're going to find space? Yeah, I mean, in terms of our research, we didn't really look at the how you change your job or approach your job as such. I mean, one thing we did do is we, so how this, this kind of concept is mm. built, so most of my keynotes were all about high performance and mm. innovation and mm. how do we mm. like, just smash it. Mm. And, um, and then I started to tell this story about the third space because mm. uh, I heard you know, a, a CEO client of mine, you know, had really good balance and I, I he would talk mm. about this thing called mm. the third space. Anyway, I would share this in my keynotes at, towards the end and talk about how do we transition mm. from work to home. And people came up to me and went, like, they didn't want to talk about the performance research. They wouldn't talk about that. Mm. And they went, oh, my gosh, you know. I'm the, I am a hurricane when I come through the door or I'm always on or work gets the best of me and I walk through that door and I've got nothing left. Mm, mm. And what people start to say, we'll sort of unveil the different things people are supposed to do, but people said, oh, that's a space, you know, that's awesome. And in my keynote, what I talk about is what do you do in that gap between work and home to mm. get yourself ready mm. when you walk through the door. And people start to email me and send me photos of their third space and, <laughs> Yeah, this thing took on a life of its own. But whenever they talked about it, they talked about work-life balance. Mm. Now, whether that's the right term or not, mm. you know, is, is a conversation that doesn't really help. But we know what balance is. Mm. And um, so they kept saying this thing of, oh, you know, when I do that, I get better balance. And so I started to think, well, does what we do between work and home affect our balance? And I partnered with John Molyneux from Deakin University and we started mm. researching and I, I read all the research on balance, which I knew nothing about, apart from balance memory, feel guilty about my life. Mm -hmm. um, the big thing was that all the strategies revolved around time, mm -hmm. which is no longer relevant because mm. we're flexibly mm. working or I got the laptop and I'm crunching out emails of the night. Like, there's no barrier between work and home anymore. And the other one was that 
more than research focus on the individual, like what, what is balance mm. for you? How would you get balance? And and we thought, let's do something different in our research. Let's interview families about balance. Mm. So the the first group we interviewed were people that live on their own because I think about 24% of Australians live by themselves. So we interviewed their friends, family and loved ones and said, right, if this person got balance, what, what would that look like? Mm. Like describe that. Mm. And they said, well, they'd be happier and we'd be closer, we'd have more fun, they'd be more present. They didn't talk about time, they talked about connection. Mm. Interesting. And we, yeah, and mm. we went, okay, that's really interesting because mm. that, that means that balance is about how you behave, not sort of when you behave. And the third, well, uh, the second part was we interviewed families under the same roof. So we sat people down and, and literally said, like, okay, if your mum, dad, boyfriend, girlfriend, husband, wife, partner, whoever that other person was, uh, had balance, mm. what does that look like? And and here's what family said about balance. They said, we get the emails and we get the phone calls. Mm -hmm. Like, we, we get mm -hmm. that. That's part of your job. Mm. What we don't get is you come through that door and you're a jerk. Mm. That. That's what we don't get. Like, you come through the door and you take your day out on us. Or you come mm. through that door and literally see this as an inconvenience that gets in the way of work. Mm. And, and so what that, what family said balance was, it's not when you show up, it's how you show up. Mm. So it's the, the quality of the interaction mm. I have. And then we started to look at, well, what do we need to do between work and home to make that happen? Mm -hmm. And we found there was three distinct steps. So the first one was reflecting. So how do we reflect on the day? Mm. So as you move away from the day, how do you sort of shut the day down and reflect on it? And what we found is most people just reflected on everything that was bad. So yeah. I didn't get to that. That was a disaster. I missed yeah. that meeting, blah, which puts them in a really negative headspace. So what we do instead was um, got them to answer three questions, which is what went well today, what did I achieve today, how did I get better today. Mm. So, which we actually got from a group of soldiers when they debrief an activity, but mm -hmm. it, it gives people a burst of happiness and puts them in a really, like a much more optimistic mindset because yeah. it's focusing on progress and evolution. So that was the first one. The second phase is called rest. So we've got reflect, next phase is rest, which is just doing anything that makes you still and present. So that may be listening to this webinar on your commute home or Sudoku on the bus, reading a book on the train, exercise, yoga class, mm. uh, re, uh, you know, um, listening to podcasts. It's anything that just makes you still and present. So mm -hmm. it, it calms you down, relaxes you. And the third thing is called reset, and, and that is... Um, you know, asking yourself that question, how do I want to show up when I walk through this door? Specifically, what is my intention and mm. how do I have to behave to get that intention? Okay, so that, that I think describes the third space that yeah. you're really talking about and how you actually go about starting to create that mm. for yourself. And what right? we did is we got 600 people, mm -hmm. busy professionals, to practice this every day for a month. And we measured lots of things, but mood in the home was one of them. Mm -hmm. And we saw a forty-one percent improvement in mood in the home when people did these three steps. Oh, that's amazing! And, yeah. and, and the good, the best piece of feedback is people went, "That's really portable." Because I can, like one woman said, "Well, I'm a single mum. I've got three kids, and I pick them up from childcare, but I just, 
I stick that model, like mm. we've created a model around it, stick that model on my um, dashboard and as I drive to childcare, I do those three steps. Another guy just goes, I get the bus home and uh, those three questions come up in my calendar alert at 6.30 when I'm on the bus, punch mm. in answers. I do a seven minute meditation app for my rest and as I walk up the front door, I just go, what sort of dad do I want to be when I get on the other side? Yeah. So, um, yeah, it was, a, it was a real phenomenon and it really works. Yeah, it's, it's really interesting because certainly that's some of the coaching techniques we use also when working with parents, really starting to get them to think about um, their tone. Yeah. Right? That's that whole, how do you want to show up? You know, what, yeah. what is the tone you want to set around fatherhood? Or motherhood. Yeah. Um, we often think about that in a, a brand context when we're talking work. We get clear around kind of what's the brand you want to have around work, how do you want to show up at work, what's the tone you want to set around work. Yeah. But often we haven't applied that to family, yeah, to home. Totally. And we haven't, we haven't consciously thought about that. And so this is really um, bringing a lot of those habits into conscious thought, you know, reflect yeah. what worked well, you know, rest, you know, getting yourself still and present for that next moment and then, as you say, resetting and being ready for, yeah. you know, what's coming next. And I, su I would suggest you could do that in, in a minute or two, really. Yeah, I mean, uh, yeah. It's, it's kind of interesting. All my research, I think, is self-therapy. Yes. And, um, <laughs> and I can, yeah, I... After practicing this for um, seven or eight years, you just get really good at it. Yeah, yeah. And, it uh, becomes a you know just a habit. Well, I think neurologically, you just mm. get better at it. Mm. Um, and also, like even that reset piece is like one of the pieces I do is I think about the family, like I future pace what could be going on for them because if if you. Um, expect to be greeted by the Stepford housewife with, you know, muffins mm. baking in the background and everything perfect and you've had such a hard day and they're there to make you feel better, mm. you know, and I often joke that sometimes, you know, I'm greeted by Kathy Bates from Misery, you know, it's like, <laughs> here are your children, I've had such a hard day. But if I go in with this delusional sort of mindset of, um, you know, well, I have had such a tough day and and my family should make me feel better mm. like that can be a disastrous mm. mindset to carry in rather mm. than well my wife works part-time and looks after the kids more for, more than I do so she's got a harder job than I have how do I go in there and make it better for her yeah, yeah. so it's also thinking about um, the, the environment you're going into and how can, rather than how can they make you feel better, like how can you have a service mindset towards them as well. Yeah. Interesting. And I'd like to sort of now, I guess, turn the focus somewhat to working flexibly because actually I think what you're talking about too is around having an open and flexible mindset. Yeah. Yeah. Start, the ability to turn on and off. Yes. Yeah. yeah. And to walk in and walk out. Um, you know, with the tone that you want to be setting around that. And that really leads into this whole conversation around, you know, how much flexibility are we actually giving ourselves permission to have, right? Because often when we have a conversation around flexible work, particularly for mums or dads, it's all into the practical arrangement of 
you know, what they've been able to sign off, if you like, with their boss. Are they yeah. able to work from home? Are they able to leave at three o'clock and do, you know, the soccer matches or whatever it might be? Um, and so it, it's thought of as a quite a fixed arrangement to, in fact, buy flexibility, yeah. as opposed to what you're talking about, which is around changing um, and, and having an open and flexible mind to the way that you connect work and family, right? Yeah. And, and the way that you get what you need is you walk out of walk at work and into home and vice versa. So I, I just wonder, you know, what's the, what are the advantages in starting to think about flexibility as something more than just a, oh yeah, I've agreed with my boss, I can leave at 4pm. Yeah. You know, what is true, you know, flexibility do you think? As it applies perhaps through the, you know, the lens of a dad's perspective because I think mums often have had to make that definition quite clear for themselves yeah. because often it's them negotiating their three days a week job and, you know, how they're going to fit work and home life in. So that's often I see a lot of thinking that goes on. But I wonder if from a male's perspective if that's that's the case. Yeah, your thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, I have, I mean, I... I have the advantage I own my company, so I kind of mm. set the tone to a, a mm. degree. But I, th I think it's so critical to for, for males to be more involved, more engaged. You know, I'll, I'll schedule and look at can I take you know pick my daughters up from school, mm. or can I take them to gymnastics, or to dancing, mm. or to and just to have those moments with them, I, I think is so bonding and so important. And I'll make it up somewhere else. Mm, mm. Um, so, I mean, I, I'm all for the, the flexibility piece. And I, I think it's because people put in long hours today. Like, yeah. I mean, the paranoia is I'll, I'll allow you to work flexibly and you'll get nothing done. Mm. But, you know, we, we always go above and beyond. Mm. And, yeah, I think what's interesting about what you've just said is that whole, you know, you thinking at the beginning almost, it sounds like the beginning of the day around what's the important thing I need to do yeah. around the family and the kids yeah. and what am I doing, when am I on pick-up, right, what, what needs to be sorted around the kids yeah, yeah. Um, and, you know, what do I need to fit in around work as well and then obviously designing your day to yeah. make that possible. Yeah. Is that what you're doing? Yeah, is very it, yeah. much. I mean, my wife and I sit down and plan it's like we're trying to launch the space shuttle. Yes. You know, the amount of planning goes into it. But yesterday I just, I mean, take yesterday for example. Um, my three-year-old gets picked up at lunchtime and I just went, oh, you know, I'm, I'm having a rough day. I, I think mm. I'm, I'm going to go pick her up. Mm. And I want to have that connection and that bonding time. And, mm. You know, spend an hour with her and then I'm straight back into the work mode. Mm. So that that flexibility is just yeah I love it yeah it's it's so important but at the same time it's it's that ability to switch in a way where you're really effective yeah so mm. I I think prioritization and planning and strategy all all, all fits into to um this as well yeah so working flexibly is about you know a mindset I think it's yeah. about um planning obviously yeah. and having you know really thinking quite deliberately around what's really important yeah. that day you yeah. know what really needs to happen around work and family actually coming up with a way that you're going to walk into that day yeah. and shifting 
what you think isn't going to be possible. So that I just find that's you know an enlightening way of thinking about it as opposed to right, I'm working flexibly today because I'm at home. Yeah, I'm working yeah. at home, which yeah. is where I really see the the disconnect for some people not being able to really get the balance exactly. that they're wanting because the way that they're describing flexible work in their own mind is, is well, yeah, and and quite short sighted. That um, but if it's about thinking about how you want to show up each day and what's important around work and family and how you're going to connect the two and being able to design that day as best you can to help facilitate that, then that's got to be great. That's yeah, got to be key nice. to you know connecting in with that third space um, you know ideology you're really presenting there. And where our third space research is going now is how do we apply this to our work day? Yes. So how do I transition from one meeting to another? How do I go from one interaction to another? Um, and what we're doing is a lot of research around that. Like, you know, um, up at Royal North Shore Hospital, mm. we did some work with the cardiologist there around how do they transition into a patient mm. to show empathy and care. Mm. Because too often they just get an autopilot. It's just mm. like next, 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 not actually thinking. And as one of the head cardiologists called me and said, I've been doing that thing. And he said, um, you know, I... I go from one room to another, so the patient's mm. in there waiting mm. for me, I come out of one room, I go into the next room and and uh, he was saying, what I do now is I stop at the door and I mm. go, if my mum was on the other side, what sort of doctor would I want to mm. Uh, mm. show up for them mm. and or show up for her? And he said, just that five seconds totally changes the way I walk into that room because mm. I'm thinking mm. about they're a human being, they're a loved one, mm. and, and and rather than they're just another patient that comes in. Mm. So um, so yeah, I, I think you know this strategy has so much application to the flexible working parent of even if the kids are in home, you know how do I have an interruption from the kids and then get back to work, or how do I I'm working on something but the kids need me for a couple of minutes. How do I really engaged and present in that interaction. Mm. I think that's, you know, it comes back to that conversation where you're just saying, well, what we found in the research, it wasn't really about time, it, it was about, you know, quality and thinking about how you showed up in a particular moment. Yeah. Yeah, okay. Sorry. I was just going to say, because that actually comes back in the questions on screen now, you know, how do dads create more me time? I'm, I'm just interested in your view, first of all, around you know, and it's just your opinion at this point. Do you think, you know, dads are getting enough me time? And and how would you define what me time actually even is? And and is it good enough? Do you think? Um, me time? You mean time to yourself or time yes. to do something for yourself? Yeah, I think so. Yeah, uh, yeah. I. Uh, that's just funny. We're working on a project on this exact thing. So we're doing a project with school principals, looking at the well-being of school principals. And um, which is really suffering because their job is so hard. Mm. Like, oh my gosh. Just the, the number of people that want a piece of them, the expectations is massive. Mm. And one of the biggest things is they look after everyone else and themselves at last. Mm. Mm. So that me time, um, gosh, we could go deep into this, uh, is, is essential to give back. Having said that, I think men are 
far better at this than women. Far mm. better. Mm. Like I, I see a lot of men go, yeah, me time's important and I will take time. And they have far less guilt about this than women do. Far, far, far less. Mm. It's funny, I, I presented to a group the other day and I put up a model around um, that each... We did this research around preventing burnout and what it was all about is rather than the big holiday once a year, it's like what do you do every day, what do you do every week, what do you do every month to mm. recover. Yeah, it's the rest bit. Yeah, yeah. Off. yeah. yeah. And um, like we're, we've actually got a formula to it but it, it's the short, regular, little consistent bursts of recovery. And I, I presented this to a group and there's a, every month what our data showed is that every month you should have a day of no responsibility. <laughs> Love it. Yeah, and it's it's literally a day. You wake up and you have no agenda, no one to look after and nothing to do. And you just do whatever you want to do, but there's no schedule. Once a month. Once a month. Right. And okay. uh, I, I put this up on screen and it's so funny to watch a group. All the, all the guys were nodding going, yeah, that's an awesome idea. And all the women were actually shaking their head going, no. Can't do it. Yeah, possible. Yeah. And it's all about self worth. It's not about yeah. logistics. It's about yeah. do I deserve that? Yeah. Um, so I think men are far better at, yeah, I deserve some me time. Whereas women go, oh, that's so self indulgent or that's really selfish. But um, the me time is critical. Mm -hmm. And also, like, mates' time. Mm. One of the things I really lost um, when we had children was, you know, identity as a male. Mm -hmm. To, um, and, and I think that's very, very important that you have some blokey time because I'm surrounded by women. Even my dogs are girls. <laughs> All my staff are girls. And, <laughs> uh, um, so, yeah, I think it's, it's critical. All for it. Yeah. And I think it was interesting that um, you talk about guilt and I think I do notice that, um, you know, sometimes when I look at my husband and his ability to really create time that he needs yeah. to actually do this whole, you know, connecting work and family, yeah. he's very good at putting it what's important first yeah. um, around certainly self-care and so right. certainly more than me. Yeah. Um, and I've sort of, and I've watched it in action, quite <laughs> impressed around how he's put it together and thought, yeah. oh, I must do that more often. Um, but I, I suspect there are still people that, you know, men in particular that don't feel like they're doing that enough. You know, yeah. Just, just on that point, I, I spoke to the Golf Managers Association. So they're, they're all, the, all the big golf clubs. So, yeah. so we have all the owners and leaders of the golf clubs. Their biggest challenge is that men can't dedicate a Saturday anymore to playing golf. Wow, okay. Because it's like, are you serious? You know, mm -hmm. you've been away working all these hours and now you're going to play golf all Saturday? Yeah. Yeah, not many families are wild about that idea. Yeah. And, and that's their challenge moving forward is that men simply don't have time to go. And I know that's a real sort of chauvinistic view of men play golf and women don't, but the majority of members are male. Yeah. And um, they're just going, I can't do 18 Rounds of golf, yeah. Yeah, holes on a Saturday. Yeah, interesting. I, well, okay, I'm, I'm hearing that, you know, once a month, both men and women, we need to have that No Responsibilities Day and we it's, need to do it this. Is, seriously, <laughs> if you do one thing, it is gold. My yeah. wife just did three days of it Yeah. On, on the last weekend. So just thinking about, if we move this conversation around, you know, 
continuing to talk about this flexibility piece, if we now define that working flexibly is actually more around a thought and a mindset rather than actually a, um, a you know, technically I'm working from home and, and I work on a Thursdays or I don't, then what has your research showed around your ability to apply this flexible thinking when it comes to reducing stress in families? So you, you talked about... Um, what do you mean? Well, so you talked earlier about the fact that um, when you studied families that when, you know, there was the um, tornado that walked through the door, if you like, yeah, yeah. or your tone was not one that you would have liked, and that that caused stress yeah. amongst... But once these habits were starting to be formed, that I'm... I'm gathering that the research suggested that the stress was less. Oh, massively. Yes. Because we we discovered a thing yeah. called, we called it a negative spill. Yeah. And that is, I have a crap day, I take it home, yeah. take it out on the family, yeah. uh, which creates more stress, yeah. which I carry to work the next day. Yeah. And it is the work, it's like a snowball. The yeah. stress just moves from one mode to another, to another, yeah. to another, and it builds up. Mm. And the third space is kind of like a circuit breaker. Yeah. It's like how do you cut that off so that you don't carry it into the home or likewise you have a crappy morning with the kids and you take it at work. Mm. Um, so that capacity really reduced the stress in the home. I mean it was fascinating because one of the other things is that when, when in the families that we studied when people got the third space right, homes or families were actually more open, I don't know how to phrase this, um, to the intrusion of work. Do you, yes. do you get what I mean? Yes. So it's kind of like you work all day and then you come home and you're doing work and you're also a jerk. Mm, that but, doesn't work. Yeah, yeah, if you come home and you're a rock star and you walk through the door and you're engaged and you're present and you're fun and you're interactive, yeah. But daddy just has to do an hour of work. It's like, oh, yeah, yeah. Um, that, that, that I understand. Topic. Yeah. Mm. But when everything sucks and you're working all the time, they they were less, um, they resented work more when you were bad, when you showed up. Mm. Do you get what I mean? Yeah, when I do. you show up and you're interactive and you're um, yeah. helpful and you're uh, empathetic, then, oh, I just have to... I just got to do a couple of emails. Oh, that's fine. Yeah. So that was a really interesting psychology. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I think that's that whole flexible thinking playing out, mm. you know, and having really yeah, yeah. thinking about it. And one of the other things yeah. we discovered is that, like, and this may sort of counteract the, the flexibility piece, but, like, if you're going to do work, do work, and if you're going to be with the family, be with the family. Yeah. Yeah. So we studied this a lot and it was kind of, I come home and uh, so I do work of an evening just to get through the volume of stuff. Mm. But when I walk through the door, the phone goes in a drawer um, and it's all about I've got two or three hours, how do I just knock this out of the park? Mm. How do I be fun and playful and engaged? And mm. So I'm not dealing with the kids but kind of answering a few emails from work or I'm taking a call or I'm this or I'm that, it's, I'm, I'm in it wholly or I'm, I'm out of it. So, yeah. so one of the things I will do is, you know, do the whole kid thing and, and cook dinner and get them in bed and read them stories and all that and then I usually say to my wife, oh, okay, I'm just going to 
crunch out a couple of things for an hour and then it's our time. Like mm. when we sit down and we might have a glass of wine and a chat. Mm. So it's it's uh, compartmentally mm. compartmentalizing the work is, is really critical too rather than my wife's asking me questions and I'm doing emails and I'm kind of doing this and then mm. I'm talking to one kid. That was yeah. a real challenge. And that's almost, yeah, I was going to say, that's almost when flexibility that's is almost overdone. In other words, yeah. as you say, you haven't created any boundaries yeah. and it's just, um, you know, I'm, I'm just here, there and everywhere all the time. Yeah, right? yeah I'm just spread and, thin. And that doesn't yeah. work either, yeah. you know. So too much flexibility um, you know, you can't accommodate anything, in fact, mm. um, or no flexibility, and that's a problem too. So, yeah, just creating and compartmentalizing space, I think that's a really interesting thought. So, you know, obviously a lot of people listening in will be working in organisations and jobs where, you know, this concept of um, coming up with a flexible arrangement, if you want to have flexibility, is still based around a discussion of, you know, make the business case. Um, you know, let's sit down, we'll think about whether I can afford you off at home on a Thursday. How can um, dads move the conversation along with their bosses and, em and employers to say, well, it's actually, if we subscribe to this thinking, it's not just about working from home on a Thursday, being equaling flexibility, but it is actually around what I'm thinking is more ownership of your day and actually yeah. how you're getting things done and yeah. how you are being allowed to compartmentalise things. Now, what advice do you have for dads starting to perhaps put this into practice and what conversations should they be having with their workplaces about it? I mean, I think there's kind of two different conversations. One is the, the whole third space strategy, like how do you apply it? And, and mm. the way I suggest it is to be much more mindful of it in the day, try and um, you know, use it to show up better. I think the second question about how do you create that sort of flexible arrangement, you know, I, I'm definitely not a, a workplace flexibility expert sure. by any stretch of the imagination. But, I mean, one of the ways I've seen it work is that is to get back to focusing on outcomes and getting really clear about mm -hmm. your deliverables. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, it, it's getting away from you're at your desk for this amount of time, so uh, that means you're working hard. To, mm -hmm. I have all these things I have to deliver on, how do I, I, I can do them any way I want, mm -hmm. as long as I deliver on them. Mm -hmm. And um, lots of people I work with at the moment, oh, actually we did some really cool HR research actually, uh, a couple of years ago, and what we showed is if you want to get work done, don't be at work. <laughs> Because, um, you know, it'd be anywhere but work uh, mm -hmm. in a cafe. There's this huge trend in the US where people work in hotel foyers. Mm. So, so much so that hotel foyers are remodeling their um, setups so that mm. they've got uh, hot desks that people can sit and work. Because people start to go, I can't get anything done. I have to go. And they go to cafes, but they're noisy and the, the so people start to go to hotel foyers because they're quiet and their toilets are better, and <laughs> um, and and this is a, a huge trend. So that whole flexible mindset, I think, hinges on that, or the anti-flexible mindset hinges on you will sit there and you will do your work, and if you're at your desk, yeah. then I've got control over you, and, mm. and and which is just 
prehistoric and it's just crap to tell you the truth. It's looking at, well, what are my deliverables? What, what do you want me to get done? Where's my time best spent? How do mm. I do that? And, um, you know, the, the modern day office is, is not conducive to that from interruptions of mm. other people, technology, noise, mm. temperature, the whole bit. So, I mean, if I was approaching a flexible arrangement conversation with an employer, um, I would definitely be talking about sort of outcomes and focus and mm. and just show that you, you you're nailing your work and you're getting it done and that um, yeah well I wonder whether it's the ultimate promotion that's often how I often think about it that if you can um, really self lead yeah. so demonstrate to your leader that um, right I've got all these deliberals deliverables, can we have a conversation about the value-added pieces in this yeah, yeah. and the bits you really want from me mm. over the next quarter, the next week, the next day, whatever that might be for them. And really from that point being able to recognise, okay, well how am I going to self-lead to yeah. deliver on that and how am I going to get the buy-in with my team, with my boss, etc., to actually frankly build trust too. That, that, yeah. that actually, you know, you're employing me to do this job. Um, I'm confident I can self-lead to get this done um, and here's how I'm going to do that. Yeah. Um, are there any objections? Yeah. At which point, you know, we can have a different conversation with our leaders and, and bosses, which about is not about the flexibility yeah. at all. It's it's more around... Do I trust you? Yeah, and actually are we on the same page with what you're here to do and are our expectations in alignment? Because Often what I find is when expectations are in alignment and we have a critical conversation with a leader that says, I think this is important to you. Is that what we should be doing? Yeah. And is that what you're expecting from me? Then, and we get affirmation of that, then actually often how you go and um, get that done, whether it's done at 7 a.m. or 3 a.m., um, really is not the discussion point. That's almost assumed that you'll work it out, yeah, how you'll get irrelevant. it done. It's irrelevant. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So I think part of this is about almost in your head giving yourself a promotion around, you know what, I, I am mature enough to lead myself in this job yeah. and I'm confident that if I have the right expectation set, um, that I am adding value, that I can have that conversation with my leader, actually I can work flexibly every single day. Mm. I can make that possible. And it's interesting you mentioned the trust piece because Microsoft were one of the first to introduce activity-based mm. working. and. Um, the HR manager, Rose Clements, who's mm -hmm. a cracking human being, she's a great lady. She um, took me for a tour of the building mm -hmm. and showed me how, to, and mm -hmm. one of the things she was saying, I think it was KP, whoever audited them asked after the introduction, like, what, what have you guys, because fraud dramatically reduced. Mm -hmm. Because what Microsoft said is, work is something you do, not a place you go. Yes. So you can work wherever you want as long as you kick the goals. And I think there was one rule, which was you have to come in for your team meeting once a week. Mm. But you can come to work and work on our hot desks, and mm. you can work on any floor, um, mm. or you can work at home. Mm. But what they were effectively saying to people is, we trust you to get your work done. You don't mm. have to have us looking over your shoulder. Mm. And because of that, the, the whole organisation would pay mm. them in kind, which mm. is fraught with deficit. <laughs> so they would be more trustworthy. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. So as we start to conclude this conversation, I'm just interested in some final tips that you can help dads with to maximise that third space. 
help and you know you know third space thinking because it's all about setting up sustainable work habits I think around um, and not and home habits too to allow us to have that open flexible mind that we need to actually deal with the changing environment that's flying at us every day yeah, yeah. so you know what do you think dads can be doing to maximize that third space thinking? well I mean this definitely on the big transitions to work home from work, mm -hmm. like think about those those three steps and, and create your own version of it. Um, that is an essential. But during the day, the big, the big question I would ask in every transition is how am I about to show up? Mm. Like, what's going on for me mm. right now? Well, in fact, I'm really frustrated and I'm really angry and I'm really resentful. I don't think I should go into my team meeting right now. <laughs> I think I've just got to get whether it's one minute, two minutes, just get my head right. Mm. Um, when I present this keynote, the amount of leaders that come up and go, oh, if only I'd seen this last week because I had this meeting and I took it out of my team afterwards and if I'd just taken that moment to think about Process impact, what had happened, yeah. Yeah, I mean, well, I, I did a thing for the Deloitte partners on this and um, HR manager calls me and goes, oh, you won't believe because she was going off to a meeting and one of the partners was sitting in the cafe at Deloitte, like staring out the window. And she went up and tapped him on the shoulder and said, I'm late for this meeting, aren't you supposed to be in that meeting? And he goes, I've just had the worst morning and I can't walk in there right now. And he goes, I'm doing my third space. He said, I'm just getting my head together because mm -hmm. if I walk in there, I'm going to be no use to anyone. Mm. He said, just give me a couple of minutes. Mm. And as she walks off, he goes, see, we actually listen to some of the stuff that we're told. <laughs> but, I mean, that, that, the thing about this concept, like I've done a lot of research over the years. This has been the most popular thing I've ever done mm. for a couple of reasons. Number one, people feel the pain. People go, yeah, I know I've done that. I know I've carried that into that or I know I've shown up as the jerk or the whirlwind or whatever. So they feel the pain. Number two, the language is very sticky. People remember the third space for some reason. And and, and number three, it's it's easy to do. It's you know, you you're you're already transitioning, you're already thinking thoughts, why not start to get more control over them? Yeah. Yeah. All right. As you choke. As I have my coffee <laughs> um, moment. Okay, well, that certainly does help, you know, give a lot of um, <clears throat> good insight into what are the some of the key habits. Thank you. Do you need some more water? I do need some more water. Thank <laughs> do you, you very much. want me to wrap this up while you <laughs> No, that's well, good. Thank you. <laughs> that's right. No, that's great. Look, I think the other things that I would add um, to what you just said with certainly the dads that we're working with that we're coaching is this critical conversation that needs to happen at home as well. So I think that what you've shared is awesome and how do we start to have that third conversation with oh our gosh. partners? Yeah, that's a spouse. great thing. <laughs> One of the things we found in the research is that to actually include your partner in it. Mm. So if your partner is a stay-at-home mum um, and... You know, you, so when my wife was a stay-at-home mom, I would walk through the door and she'd literally grab me and just go, <laughs> I just need to talk to someone and have a, like an yeah. adult interaction, but I'm still processing the day. So I'm yeah. kind of like, whoa. And I hadn't had my time to just get my head right before. So yeah. having a conversation with, and whether your partner works, um, 
you know, the same hours or longer hours. Mm. Just, it, it's almost like, hey, I heard this thing today. This is what this guy's talking about. How could we use it better? Yeah. How could we do this better? Here's yeah. what I would like to have happen. Mm. Here's what I need. When I walk through the door, I can't talk about my day straight away mm. or I need to go upstairs and get changed. Mm. Like that's my third space to just get the work clothes off. Yeah. So I'm not going to talk. I'm going to walk in the door. I'm going to go to the room and then I'm going to come out and we'll mm. have the conversation. So it's a great point you brought up is that, yeah, talk to your partner about this. Talk to the other people that you... Yeah. If you live with someone else. I think it's a great habit to get teams into too, you know, Ooh. starting to think about how you operate effectively as a team to create um, and to move the conversation along around flexible work, that it's no longer that, as I said, um, the ability to necessarily just work, you know, from home yeah. on a Tuesday, but actually it's about thinking every single day and having an open and flexible mindset as to how yeah. you're going to achieve the key things that need to get done that are important to you yeah. with work and family life. And I, I think that's a really you know, good point that's going to stay with me today that yeah. you shared. So I want to say thank you very much for your time today. And for those of you that are interested in um, Adam's book, it is called The Third Space. Yep. And you'll be able to buy that on, on any online Amazon and um, book depository or the normal online um, spots that if you'd like to read more, um, please get in touch with um, that book. And we always welcome your feedback. So if you've got any further questions for Adam or myself on this topic, please feel free to send them through to us. Thank you very much everyone for joining us today and we look forward to the next special event that we'll be running in eight weeks time on Working Dads. Thank you.